Hello, everyone. Welcome or welcome back to Criminal Curiosity, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Jade, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It's very much appreciated. I hope you're having a good day, good night, good evening, wherever you're at in the world when you're listening to this. So I've been gone for some time because whenever I have military duties, you know, I just need a couple days to just rest and reset and also pollen allergies are killing me so if I sniffle cough if I sound like I'm like stuffy that's the reason why I will try to cut out the sniffles and coughs and stuff because as I'm talking it sounds like I'm choking on my own words and also I just needed like a break from consuming so much true crime because it does get to you just constantly consuming evil people and death so i just need a break this is your reminder to take a break rest and get back on track because i'm still trying to get back on track in life so that's just what i had to say so the last case we talked about was serial killer john robinson and this week we're going to be talking about the murder of dr daryl satorius so let's get started Daryl Satorius was born on March 2, 1940, in Columbiana, Ohio, about a two and a half hour drive, nearly three hours from the state's capital, Columbus. Daryl Satorius was a respected and successful heart surgeon in the state. He took his work very seriously. He loved being a heart surgeon. It was his life, and he truly enjoyed it. Being a surgeon is a lot of work, as one can imagine, and it's not something where you can rush the surgery, get home to your kids and partner, and have family time as well as a social life. It takes a toll on you. You're working long, excruciating hours, and you have to be focused because these are actual human beings that, you know, you're working on. It requires a lot, and when you get home, all you want to do is sleep. And it takes a toll on you, the surgeon, your family, your social life, and any other relationships. A lot of people said that Daryl had a really quick temper. He was hard to please and liked to be in control. Dr. Satorius met Janet, who was a nurse, and then later became married and had four children. Janet, his first wife, said that he was always busy. He was on call all the time. All the hard work that Dr. Satorius put in did pay off, and by the 1980s, he was making $300,000 a year. And I did the inflation calculator just to see how much it is today, and it is roughly a million dollars a year. But even though he had so much money, that all came at a price. It put a strain on his marriage. Janet said that he liked to take charge, and he would say these things to you that would make you feel bad about yourself. He was mentally and verbally abusive, but he was also someone that cared for his family. He wanted to provide for them and be the caretaker. A lot of people do not like to be controlled, and Janet and her children didn't like to be controlled. Now, there are some people that like to be controlled, maybe because I don't know if they know that they're being controlled, like people in cults. 
But there are independent people that hate when someone is constantly over their shoulder telling them what to do and how to do it. It's an annoying feeling. After 30 years of marriage, Janet and Daryl divorce. Daryl had a hard time after the divorce. He became lonely. He wasn't living with his children. He struggled with his weight. He began gaining weight, which he didn't like, and he struggled with his mental health. And he wanted to feel something again and move on. In 1994, Daryl goes on a dating service called Great Expectations. He was looking for a woman that did not challenge him, does everything he says without question, and tells him all these wonderful things about himself. So his ego was soaring through the roof. So how the dating service work, you ask, because I didn't know dating services worked, nor did I know that they existed. You would submit a picture and personal information about yourself, what you're looking for in a partner, basically modern day Tinder. And the dating service distributes all of that to other clients. The dating service thought that Dr. Sartorius and 45-year-old Dante Britton would make a good couple. On the dating service, Dante described herself as the owner of a daycare. She was recently divorced and graduated from UCLA. She was described as an adorable woman. She was really petite. When she walked into the room, she had this aura about her that would just let you know, I'm it. I am everything. I am a catch, and you all want me, so come and get me. Whether that was true or not, maybe she was just hyping herself up. Dante and Dr. Satorius dated for four months before getting married. After they got married, there were some problems that started showing. Dante described Daryl as being nice, kind, and depressed. She said that Daryl became impotent, which has to do with a men's genital, genitile, however you say that word, part. It means that they can't keep or get an erection during sex, just in case you don't know. It causes a strain on some relationships and lowers a man's confidence. You can look up the definition and you can look more into it if you want to. Daryl began spoiling Dante and she was okay with that. Forget about him being impotent as long as she was getting money and all these new things, she was okay. When Daryl would give something to his children, it would make Dante upset because she felt as if she was entitled to every single penny in his bank account. One day, the couple got into an argument because Daryl agreed to pay for his daughter's wedding, and Dante thought that he was spending way too much money on his children. She hated the fact that he spent money on his kids. She thought he was not supposed to spend anything, zero cents, zero dollars on them. Just nothing. Like, how about you don't marry a man with kids if it bothers you that much? 
Whenever Daryl did spend money on his children, Dante would retaliate and run up the bill on the credit card, going out buying designer handbags, shoes, and accessories just to get on his nerves. Daryl struggled so much with depression that he would often confide in his colleagues that he was suicidal. It wasn't just one person that knew, like every single person that he worked with and kept a close relationship with knew that he was suicidal. Because of the way that Dante was acting, Daryl decided to look into his wife and see who she really is, if she's someone we need to avoid. And what he found out was terrifying, to say the least. For starters, her name was Della Dante Hall, not Dante Britton. She never graduated from UCLA, nor did she graduate from high school. Her father died when she was young, and her mother remarried. Dante then moved to California to live with her sister, Donna, in the early 80s, and after some time, she moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, where she met Grant Bassett. The couple moved to Dallas, Texas, and filed for divorce eight months later. She then married David Britton in 1992, and the couple divorced in 1994. She also lied about how many times she was married. On the dating service, she mentioned she was recently divorced, but she forgot to mention that she was married four times before that, and Dr. Daryl Satorius was her fifth husband. Dante was briefly married to Joseph Hoffer, and became pregnant when she was 19 years old. Once the marriage was over, she gave full custody of her daughter to Joseph, but eventually her daughter ended up in foster care. She married Ralph Bayer from 1974 to 1979, which ended in neglect charges. She was described as the type of person that had to have the last word and would go out of a relationship with a bang. Do you mean gunshot bang? No pun intended, just curious. Dr. Satorius also found out that Dante had a long history of violence. It was said that she threatened husband number four with a gun, threatened husband number three with a knife, and one of the other husbands, she drugged him, lit his bed on fire, and when he woke up, he was being burned alive, but he survived. There was a rumor going around saying that maybe Dante, aka Della, murdered previous boyfriends and possibly another husband in California, and when police went out to California to pursue some leads, they were never able to identify previous boyfriends or husbands that weren't alive. Dante had been convicted of threatening one of her previous husbands with a gun, which, after learning about that, it would absolutely scare the living life out of you. One of the heart surgeons that worked with Daryl said that one day, Daryl came into work wearing a bulletproof vest, and he was very open to his colleagues about it. He basically said, I'm in fear for my life, and I'm wearing a bulletproof vest. 
which if someone comes up to you and tells you that you must want to help them, but you you don't know how or where the first place to start, you know, is. And it has got to be scary to the point where your relationship gets so bad that you're wearing a bulletproof vest because of the person that you live with. After learning the truth about his wife, Daryl was at the gas station where he saw a police officer and went up to him to ask for help. He handed the police officer a handgun that belonged to Dante because he was in fear for his life. He then went to his lawyers and he cut Dante out of his will because if something happens to him, he didn't want her to get anything, although she is expecting to get everything because she is his wife. Daryl also began the divorce proceedings. At this time, they were basically separated, but still living under the same roof. Daryl stayed in the basement, and days would go by where they would not see or talk to each other. On February 19, 1996, Dr. Sartorius did not show up for work and wasn't answering any of his pages. There was someone that was working with Dr. Sartorius that called the police and told them that this is strange. He usually shows up for work. He always answers his pages and he's not here. Can you please go to his house and see if he's okay? When the police arrive at the Sartorius home, Della said that she had no idea where her husband was. Police asked if they could search the home and she let them. They go to the garage and Dr. Sartorius' car is still there. While police are still checking in the garage, Della, aka Dante, goes back into the house, goes down into the basement, and all you can hear is her screaming, Oh my god! Oh my god! I found him! In the basement, they found Dr. Sartorius dead with a gunshot wound to the head. They found a 38 caliber pistol on the floor by his hands. Now, if you choose to watch this story on Forensic Files, let me be the one to tell you that there is a lot of blood that is shown. A lot of crime scene pictures are shown. None of it is blurred out. So, viewer discretion is advised because I was taken back when I saw it. Now, from first glance, it ticked all the boxes indicating it was a suicide. He had a gunshot wound to the side of his head, and the gun was close to the body. There was a lot of blood that had dried up, and rigor mortis had set in, indicating that he had been dead for at least a day or two. Around the basement, it appeared that Daryl had been drinking and watching TV when he shot himself. And his friends and colleagues knew that he was suicidal because he told them. And his lawyer thought that he was suicidal. So when they heard about his death, they kind of figured that, you know, he has expressed that he is suicidal and he just so happened to kill himself. Nothing was out of the ordinary. It pretty much lined up. When police ran a check on the gun, 
they found out that it belonged to no other than Della Sartorius, which was purchased 24 hours before Daryl was found dead. When they go to talk to Della, she said that she didn't hear any gunshots in the basement, but her neighbors heard a loud sound after midnight. Because how are you in the house all day, every day? You don't have a job. You live off your husband's money. No offense to anyone that stays in the house all day. I do it. No offense to anyone that lives off their husband's money. Unless you're evil. Um, I just want to make that clear. But you have a history of violence and you're acting like your eardrums are blown out that you don't hear a gunshot, but your neighbors do. Your basement is not all the way in Timbuktu across the sea. The basement is still a part of the house, and I'm pretty positive that if you can hear a gunshot across the street, then you can hear it in your house. But nice try. Back to the story. Forensic scientists show up at the scene, and right away, they notice some inconsistencies. The first thing they notice is that there were two shots that were fired. One was shot into the sofa's cushion, and the second to the head. Police didn't think it was strange for someone that was planning on taking their own life, to test the weapon first to make sure they know how to use the weapon. The bullet entered right above the left ear with no exit wound. There was a lot of blood coming from Dr. Sartorius's mouth and nose. There was also blood splatter on Dr. Sartorius's left arm, as well as both sides of his right hand, meaning the palm and the top of his hand. And what this told investigators was that his right hand was in his lap at the time of the fatal shot, not behind his hand holding the gun. Proof of this was the blood found on Dr. Sartorius's right palm. If he shot himself, the handle of the gun would have prevented blood from getting on his palm when he fired the shot. Think of it like when you're spray painting something and you have a stencil, and like the words say Bob, obviously if you go over the stencil, it's gonna the words are going to print out kind of like this, try my best to explain it, but seeing as if he did hold the gun, his entire palm would not have been covered in blood, but his entire palm was covered in blood. So if he fired, it wouldn't make any sense that there would be blood on his palm. He takes the gun and puts it on the back of his head, making the blood splatter come from the front, away from his hand, so there would be no blood on his entire palm. The blood on the top of his right hand indicated that he used it to shield his face, and that the hand that was in front of his face was moved after the blood went everywhere. Something that also caught their eye was blood on the sofa in front of the body. The blood couldn't have come from him because it was at a 45 degree angle and he was on the couch so it could have come from someone else that had blood on themselves and then flung the blood off and it landed on the couch. 
kind of like when you have water on your hands and you don't dry your hands, you just fling the water off your hands. That's pretty much what happened. Back to the second bullet hole that was found. Now, they did think that maybe Dr. Sartorius test-fired the first shot before he fired the real shot. But the gunpowder burns on Dr. Sartorius's right hand and sofa were on top of the blood, which meant that the blood was there first before the second shot was fired. When investigators looked at the body, they could tell that the body was staged to look like a suicide. And then after he was shot, it looked like the person that shot him positioned the body to make it seem like they committed suicide. Dante, his wife, was the only person inside the house at the time. But let's ask the obvious question, what could possibly be the motive? Hmm, you guessed it right. Money. Daryl Sartorius had a pension plan, and she was entitled to it because she was his wife. And if Daryl had divorced her, she would have only received an allowance of $1,000 to $2,000 a month, which I guess was not enough for her. And if he died, she would be entitled to $1 million, which is a pretty loud and clear motive. Let's be real. Police get a call from Della, aka Dante, They get a call from her mother, and she has some things to say. She tells them that Daryl did not commit suicide, and if she knows anything, she can 100% guarantee you that her daughter was the one, in fact, to marry Daryl. A quick round of applause for Dante's mother. Dante was arrested and charged with murder. Her defense said that there was a killer loose in the neighborhood because three days before Daryl Sartorius was murdered, two people were murdered, but there were no signs of forced entry at Daryl's home, meaning it had to be someone in the house. So what forensics and police came up with as to what happened that night of the murder was that Daryl was in the basement drinking and watching TV at around 2 a.m. Daryl approached him from behind with her 38 caliber pistol and shot him in the head. The blood splatter from his nose and mouth covered his right palm, which indicated he was not the one holding the gun. Della then placed the gun in Daryl's hand and fired the second shot to make sure that gunpowder residue was found on his hand, but the blood in his hand and the gunpowder burns told a different story. Blood got onto Della's hands and she shook the blood off, ending up on the sofa at a 45 degree angle. Moving Daryl's hand and placing the gun in his hand did not help her at all. Her flicking the blood off at that angle, which created blood splatter, it just it just proved that it was just it was just piling up against her. There was no way that on any of these planets 
Would that make any sense? Prosecutors were convinced that the forensic evidence and motive obviously pointed to Della. During the trial, the voice of Dr. Sartorius could be heard. It was a message that he sent to his daughter that was on her answering machine. The message was, quote, Don't call Dante. Don't talk to Dante. If you and I talk, just keep it between the two of us. Please, I may not live through this. End quote. And listening to that recording made me emotional. And you could hear how scared he was and it sounded like he was crying and it's it's heartbreaking to hear those words come out of someone's mouth now my eyes watering on june 7th 1997 after four hours of deliberation the jury found della guilty of aggravated murder and was sentenced to life in prison and was eligible for parole in 2014. She was sentenced to prison at Ohio Reformatory for Women, where she died on November 20th, 2010, from natural causes. Della's mother calls her a Black Widow Spider. Her mother describes her as, quote, a fortune hunter who found her way to success by latching on to a successful man. She's really going at her daughter's neck at this point, and I do not blame her. The judge in this case described Della as, quote, a lionfish. They attract their prey with its brilliant stripes before using its poisonous spines to kill you, end quote. I just love the way that the judge and her own mother are just stomping on her neck and just describing her perfectly. Aphrodite Jones is a true crime author. She wrote the book Della's Web, published in 1998, and she had an interview with Della. Jones believed that when Della heard about the divorce plans, she thought murder was the right thing to do. Aphrodite Jones describes Della as a born killer, a sociopath, and someone that views the world through her eyes only. The world is her oyster, and she wants all these things, and if she sees something and wants it, she will take it. She won't work for what she wants, she just wants to take everything. Daryl Satorius's first wife, Janet, said that Daryl would have been proud of their four amazing children. They have done great things in their life, they have gotten an education, and he is now a grandfather, and he would have loved and adored his grandkids. Janet said that she hoped that he would reach the point in his life where he could retire, sit back, and enjoy all the things he did in his life. End of episode thoughts. I, ooh, that got me. The ending of these cases always make me emotional, but I'm glad that her mother spoke up and didn't use the excuse of, oh my God, she's my daughter. I know her best. She could never do something that horrible. 
I think that if you hurt someone because you're evil, you should be held accountable, not because we're family. I would be like, uh, I have no idea who you are. Sorry, I can't really help you. Della's entire background is a red flag. Looks can be deceiving. Someone can be 4'11", tiny and petite, and is the devil. And someone can be 6'4", 230 pounds, and be a sweetheart. Get to know people. If you sense something is wrong, you, you have these red flag indicators popping up in your head, distance yourself and go with your gut feeling. I think it's really sad that no amount of love, no amount of affection, no amount of gifts in living a certain lifestyle will ever be enough for some people. And the only thing they want is your money. You broke son of a gun. And people always think that in order to get someone else's money, you have to murder them. And when you marry someone with money and they end up dead, you're usually the murderer because the life insurance for a million dollars always pops up. I want to leave you with a quote that someone came up with. Is it a quote? I'm not sure, but it was from a blog post about this case, and it says, quote, Daryl Satorius, who knew the human heart inside and out, didn't see into hers until it was far too late, end quote. And that is the end of today's story. I would love to know what you guys think. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for next week's episode that comes out every Thursday. You can follow my Instagram at criminalcuriositypod, where you can see the pictures of the case. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms, such as Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. If you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review and rating because it helps me out so much. Spotify now has ratings, so all you have to do is type in Criminal Curiosity, and you will see a little star to leave a rating. It would be very helpful and very much appreciated. You can also request any cases that you have through Instagram or Gmail, which I will have in the description box. I'm also currently making a website to make it much easier so you can just see everything, especially like if you don't have an Instagram or something, but I'm working on that currently. And please be safe out there. Look out for one another. Until next time. Bye, everyone.